0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte.
2: Welcome to the Seneca Podcast, where we discuss discussed Current affairs in China produced in partnership with Sub China. SubChina is the best way to keep current on the news from China with a daily email newsletter or or a cool little smartphone app. Go to subchina.com to subscribe or download the app from iTunes or from Google Play. It's a feast of business, political, and cultural news about a nation that is reshaping the world. I am Kaiser Go, and I am coming to you today from Some Guys Airbnb on the Upper West Side, <laughs> where we've established a makeshift headquarters for Seneca. <laughs> <laughs> and I am joined here not only by Jeremy Goldcorn, my usual partner in crime, but also sitting next to him, oh my God, his beautiful lady wife, the lady wife. <laughs> Is that kind of
0: like a lady man,
2: a yeah. wife? <laughs> a lady boy. Sorry. Hey, wife. Of course, you've, you cynical listeners all have heard about Wufe, who, who Jeremy can't just shut up about. Uh, and, but you know, you'll, you guys will see amazing. why soon, right? And not only that, but we are also joined by Abigail Washburn, the. Empress of the Banjo is, is, No seriously <laughs> the I mean, bra- that is Grammy
0: award winning <laughs> Right of the banjo.
2: Grammy <laughs> award winning Empress of the Banjo We're incredibly psyched Because they're playing a gig Here tomorrow night Here in New York Jeremy and I Happen to be up here in town uh, And they are Not only They have their instruments Before them They're going to be playing Some live Some tunes for you guys uh, to, to enjoy It's amazing stuff But let's plunge right in And let's get the The, uh, the superhero origin stories For these two Yeah Doo doo doo
3: doo doo, dong 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 dong
1: let's
2: let's start with we you. We okay. speak
1: in music, Kaiser. Yeah, okay.
2: that's the universal language, man. <laughs> it's the universal language. <laughs> Ufay, uh how did you first of all why did you marry this guy <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: seriously
2: uh, I'm a musician let's not <laughs> answer that question uh,
0: right. yeah. well, I,
4: I knew it could not be a musician
2: right oh that's yeah. and
4: I knew it had to be someone crazy as me
2: okay right. there we go Oh so seriously so, so, but you, you were you're you're a Beijing, Beijing you're a 对, Beijinger, 对。and you were educated at the, the conservatory here. You went to you know uh Baojiadias. Uh, oh, it's a little bit more than that. Okay, so yeah you can speak English. Oh Let's, yeah. This is an English podcast. Right,
4: right. <laughs> hey, well yeah, it's the China Conservative of Music in um Prince Gong's Palace for three years. Oh right! In high school part.
3: Oh, okay.
4: Uh, well, they have moved it
1: away a um, few years ago. But uh, when I was in high school, it would work in there. It sounded magical. The stories that Fei has of being in Prince Gong's Palace studying, you know. Yeah,
2: I mean, I music. can you imagine it would it would inspire you to play some serious guzheng?
1: I actually, I
4: didn't study guzheng performance there. I studied the composition. Oh okay. And uh, it just, uh, yeah, it was quite a trippy experience uh, studying. In the
2: Prince Gong's Palace. Do you come from a musical family? Are your parents both musical? Uh,
4: I would say yes. Not my dad plays the sanxiao, the 3 string fretless. I would say Chinese banjo sounds quite similar,
2: except totally dead in tone,
3: right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that
4: kind of like it's like the toothless old codgers
2: or the (laughs) courtesans in old Beijing. It's a very
0: fun toothless old (laughs) codger.
1: She looks great without teeth, actually. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's by Jeremy. The sunshine you guys are familiar with. It's a three-string. It's usually got sort of a a python or whatever. a skin. Snake snake skin uh, over over the the sounding board, And it's got an incredibly long neck. And what I always found difficult about it is just in the first position, stretches are amazing. It's like you have to have like Rachmaninoff hands to play. Gotta have
4: a super long pinky. Yeah, that's that's what it is. It's just
2: crazy (laughs) long intervals, right? I mean, just like those. Yeah, Um, yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. But I play the Sanxia. My oh, okay. dad, yeah, gave me a gift is He plays the it's big this, one,
0: the small one, the small Little version, one. yeah. Right.
4: And uh, yeah, so he, yeah, he's a he's a musician. He's incredibly talented. Although their time uh, when they were young, it was um, in the middle of the Cultural Revolution, so they didn't uh. they didn't have any chance or opportunity to pursue their dreams. Therefore, I gotta do it <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> for them. <laughs> and um, that, uh, I hated it when I was a kid. But now um, I've went through some ups and downs and had some breakthroughs, and I'm completely in love with it.
2: you hear that, kids? you hear that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <But> <laughs> Stick uh, with I, it. Uh,
0: yeah. uh, maybe you can start, you know, being married to I know some of the backstory. I mean, you actually started playing when you were uh, maybe five or six. Nobody in your family actually remembers exactly when, but let's say six, right? Yeah. So uh, how did that happen? How did your parents force you to start playing My
4: dad actually told me when um, he went to his Sanxia teacher's troop in China, the the professional performance troops are always a state-owned company, and he went to his Sanxia teacher's uh, practice, and he saw them making an earning uh, from just rehearsing music all day long, so he said, wow, that's a nice life. And I...
2: It ain't I, working. I, that's the way you do it.
4: <laughs> right. I was like, I certainly can't, you know, do this, but I want my daughter to do this. At the time, I was three. And then he basically decided, and he saw, he saw music talent in me. I don't know how. And uh, and then he, from then, started searching music instrument teachers for me until I officially started taking lessons from a professor from China Conservative Music on the Gu Wow! He, yeah, he wanted me to study sonar uh, at the beginning, but they said I didn't like it, so they had to choose something
2: else. <laughs> uh, so did you, do you? When you were studying composition, presumably you also learned piano, and you, yes,
4: what, no. yes, I had to learn the piano since I was like eight, because because my music ring teacher said, "Okay, this kid has a lot of talent. Uh, she should study uh, solfège and ear training." In the conservatory, on the conservatory's weekend school every Saturday, and in order to do that, uh, I have to have a piano at home and knowing how to read Western scores and studying music theory. So that's how I started the piano, and uh, and then um, later, um, more teachers uh, told my parents that um, Faye should uh, pursue more in the composition. Uh, uh approach because uh just somehow they also saw different talent and uh, so i had to go through this pretty intense tests exams for prepare prepared it for uh for for the test for about a year and then a two week long exams like multiple exams for two weeks and and finally got in to the conservatory high school when i was uh, 16 years old
2: wow wow so now I, I know that like when you study art in china you can either kind of go with the that like the, the western style art track or you can do the Guhua track mm. uh, now with music the Chinese and Western musical traditions are very divergent they 're very very different although we 're going to see shortly how they can be beautifully synthesized, but uh, they are very different and so you were you studying specifically Western music, and how did that square with your learning a traditional classical Chinese instrument that was you know and in this case one that is pentatonic by design it's just it's just written into the fact that that's how the guzheng was tuned
4: I studied pretty much I would say 90% of the subjects uh in the composition department in China Conservatory were western classical uh-huh. music 90% uh, 90% yeah. we had very little chinese music education most of my chinese traditional music education came from learning the guzheng from my prof- professors before I entered the conservatory and oh. from my own family so yeah as a composition student we studied basically the Russian school the French school um, uh, European you know from medieval time to all the way contemporary Stravinsky and uh, John Cage that was what I was taught and I felt at the time quite non uh, uncool to play a Chinese traditional instrument so I I did not touch my gu for solid I would say five years because I thought oh I'm gonna be a pianist I don't wanna be a guzheng player because you know traditional Chinese instruments were not considered as cool so I did not touch it a bit until I came to the states
2: so your story will pick it up from from where you go to the states but I I want to contrast it right now with Abby's which is so different because you were just telling me that you didn't start playing banjo until you were 21 years old
1: right yes I grew up in a a home that really didn't have much music i mean we had a record player and uh-huh. we had like five records including whitney houston <laughs> i believe the children are future i was super she's into awesome. that she's so awesome i want to dance with somebody so i was really into like you well, know stuff i heard on the radio with somebody who, <laughs> wow. with richard marx you know that kind of stuff oh my
2: god but um, really high class stuff
1: <laughs> some real great richard pop Marks, music
2: yeah. <laughs> From the time that connected you to China then because oh, we <laughs> <diggly>. big- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the other strange part of your story I mean because uh, for those of you who don't know Abigail lived in, in Beijing on and off for many many years I used to see you playing all the time and uh, I mean she she was fantastic of course and one of her things was I mean she was a fluent Mandarin speaker and yeah. we'll get into the whole China connection in a bit but go go on please
1: um, so yeah, I just didn't grow up with much much music in my house. My brother, when he got into high school, started playing rock guitar. He got really into Joe Satriani and Van Halen. So uh-huh. I would hear like him with the amp down and the V guitar. Oh yeah, down in the v. basement, uh-huh. like the flying V, uh, just going after it, you know. But I I wasn't really drawn to it. I did I did play piano and recorder when I was little, and uh-huh. but I, and I was always very good at the piano right away because I could hear what somebody played and play it back to them. But my first teacher I had wouldn't let me do that right? because you wanted me to read. And so I lost interest.
2: Actually, That's what I did. Yeah. I, I never, I faked knowing how to read right. the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I, I would pretend I was reading, but I was just playing by ear.
1: Yeah. And I so enjoyed it when I was allowed to play by ear. But when I was forced to read, I just didn't do it i didn't want to do it so my mom was fine with that so i only did you know a little bit of music for two years i always sang in choir i always loved that i'd try out for the solos and i'd never get them so i just didn't figure i was much of a musician
2: you should go wave your grammy in their face (laughs) Ah,
1: that's a whole journey of circumstance and luck (laughs) and hard work that is it seems unrelated to all that but when i am Got to college, I did start dating someone who was a bluegrass musician and Bo Stapleton is his name. And so I learned about bluegrass through him uh, in college. And I actually met him on a trip to China. He was on the same trip, uh, my first time going to China when we were both, I guess, 18 or 19 years old. We uh, spent a summer over there with a couple of kids from Colorado College and that's when he and I met and he introduced me to bluegrass music soon thereafter. I, I, again, it wasn't my thing. I, I I felt very dedicated to China from the moment I, I went over there for the first time and not that interested in bluegrass music, but I would still sell merch at their shows and sometimes I'd sing like backup <laughs> if they needed it, you know. But as I got deeper and deeper into the China, into underst- loving China and mm. understanding the lack of knowledge of most Americans about China... I mean, I remember the first time I came back from China, or I think it was the second time actually, and I'd spent six months in Sichuan province and was felt at that point deeply immersed and in love with Chinese culture. And uh, I came back and one of my uh, relatives from southern Minnesota called me and said, I called, yeah, they called and they said, I, I, Abigail, how is Japan? <laughs>
2: That's a good accent. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank you. <laughs> and so, and I, I, I mean, it wasn't just that. It was so many different things. Watching the news, everything, the way I'd interact with people, and they just didn't think of anything other than Asia or the Orient as one big chunk. This mm. is back in the early 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I I just, I, I knew there was a need, and I felt that I could serve somehow to help Americans understand China a little better. But,
0: sorry, Abby, you, I, we kind of glossed over. So how did you first go to China? What was... What was the impetus Yeah, how
1: did you
2: get interested in China? Uh, so you were at Colorado College, which is, which is that school where they don't give grades and you take like one class for a year. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that right?
1: <laughs> well, that was, it was a little bit of an overstatement you just made. You do actually take eight classes in a year, but you take one class at a time. It's called ah. the block plan. Oh, right. So you take one class for three and a half weeks and then you get four days off. Oh wow! It's pretty sweet. Yeah, and then you come back and you see so you you just do one thing intensive, very intensively at a time.
2: Oh, that's great! And
1: so they had a two block class in the summer that was seven weeks long, and you do get grades. You get grades like everybody. Else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of that place in Olympia, Washington. That Maybe has, like, yeah. yeah, Evergreen or something. or something like that. Yeah, 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 Evergreen. Evergreen yeah, Evergreen. or I don't can't or remember Reed what it's called. Yeah. Or- yeah, no, they get oh, yeah. Well, okay. I know what you're talking about though. So, I saw a sign that said "Study Chinese in China." And that was at the end of my freshman year. And I was just interested. And I had studied mm. French in high school and gone to France. I just, I didn't need to keep pursuing that. And I wanted to do something really different. And I kind of want to just go really far away and see what the other side of the world was like. And so I did. And I had the luxury of doing that, you know, to be able to be a liberal arts student that could go check all this stuff out. And so I did. And um, truthfully, the first time I went to China, I didn't like it that much, which is
0: it was it's far good. for the course. Yeah. yeah I was, think most people end up actually really loving China when they first go don't like it that much. <laughs> I mean, I was the same. That could be. You were the same too? Really? I hated it the first year I was there, yeah. Did you? Yeah, I thought Chinese people were totally crazy. Yeah. Maybe true. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> this is coming yeah, from took you. it me about a year. To, <laughs> a year of hate before the love
1: came. Were you in Beijing? when? Yeah. That, and I was in... Uh, Shanghai for the for four weeks of that and then saw a little bit of Chufu and Beijing and Hong Kong and it was all It was just dirty and it was sweaty and hot it was the night yeah, <laughs> of summer and yeah, people were Shanghai. all up in my grill all the time right. you know they the only interaction i had with chinese people was them trying to sell me stuff and i was terrible at chinese i was just learning chinese so i really couldn't talk to anybody and the only people who would talk to me were like people are trying to practice their english i'd come back to my dorm room after i was in class and stuff would be rearranged people had gone through my stuff mm-hmm. you know right. So it was what like took all this so how did you
2: how, how did you how did you evolve out of that? I mean that seems like a pretty right. dismal experience.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was kind of rough. Yeah.
2: Um
1: well, I came back to the states and the contrast, you know, you guys have all felt it in one way or another. You get off the plane, things are spacious, things are clean. Um there's a little something missing though. Right. And for the rest of your life, there will always be a little something missing because you went to China, and I, 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 did think, okay, good riddance. I'm probably never going to go back there. I'm going to pursue something else in school. But I, and I have these pictures of Gandhi, or I did in high school, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and the United Nations mural on my wall. I'm, wow. I'm a real geek. So yeah, like yeah, in high school, um, I in high school, instead of going to my senior prom, I went to the United Nations Youth united nations disarmament conference in winnipeg canada and i Some am that i'm that kind of kid you know Excellent. and so i was there and I'd, I'd wake up every morning i'd look up and i'd see gandhi and mlk and i was trying to reconcile this experience and these feelings i had when i was in china and i i just knew i felt like gandhi was like staring at me and <laughs> i was like yeah you're right i'm like disenchanted with 1.3 billion people on the face of the planet and That's not okay, And I have to figure that out. So I went back and I I went back a semester later and I went to Sichuan province to the Kujidashue at the time. Now it's it was the technical university. Now it's one university. And I met an amazing woman by chance. And that's a fun story, too, but I don't think we have time. And I I met her on the street and uh, she invited me over for dumplings. And she was an old lady, 80 years old.
2: Oh, lovely.
1: Cataracts, little silver hair bob. She shuffled down the street. She was about four feet tall.
2: <laughs> and she took
1: me in and I spent three days a week with her for that six months. And um, she'd feed me. I'd gain 20 pounds. I gained <laughs> 20 pounds. I got off the wow. airplane when I got back to the States. My parents were like, uh, what did what did you guys do with our daughter? She's huge.
2: <laughs> it
1: was all la l- longs. Uh, dumplings Sichuan dumplings oh
2: yeah those do it to you so
1: I, I fell in love the second time I went I fell in love and that was that was that and I knew I had to spend the rest of my life I felt married to China after that I had to spend the rest of my life figuring out how to help Americans and Chinese know each other better because those secrets those special emotional intimate places that we have are hard to reach with each other unless you speak the language
2: you guys have kind of parallel stories in in a way because, you know, you've both kind of tried to wed Chinese and American music, uh, in, in, in different ways, you know, coming from different directions, mm-hmm. but meeting at a, a really, I mean, a pretty magical place, right? Uh, Tell us about your, you. So you came to the states for after after graduating from the conservatory, right?
4: Uh, no. It's in the mid, uh, I transferred from uh, China uh, Conservatory of Music to uh, Music College at uh, University of No uh, Nulls, North, North, North Texas. Oh,
2: North Texas. right. Yeah, they okay. have
4: a very big and um, quite a renowned music program, and uh, so uh, I got a scholarship, and I was oh, this is where I'm going. They, you know, it's nice, but uh, and then it was still in the kind of a um, music conservatory setting so I wasn't it wasn't super different but the thing that really changed my life was uh first for the first time seeing African drumming ensemble and the Indian raga singers wow so I was like oh my goodness and their marching band because UND has like the country's top level marching bands I was just blown away by the music that I had no clue, like never saw anything like that in I my life. I Never
2: would have guessed that marching bands had p- played a role. In i right. Era. Oh, marching band! Oh,
4: they were amazing they drummers. Amazing. Yeah. They were really. They were like practice. Texas is hot. They were like practice outside on the like concrete. Like, like eight guys. Oh, just just seeing the, sh- the the shadow of of their drumsticks, like, and then they have all sorts of patterns, combinations. You know they're just amazing percussionists. Wow! So uh, I I had a blast. Um, so uh, and then after that, um, I went to Mills also by a total chance. Like chance, I did not plan to go to a nest of avant garde composer school
0: so you h- how long were you at unt for Faye? for two years and then you graduated and with a yeah music bachelor's and you went to mills college, college
4: for a graduate bachelor's uh, degree
0: And uh, mills is in oakland california near san francisco yeah. right yeah. and tell us about mills because it's kind of a, a special place i mean it, 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 there's a certain kind of uh, uh, musical music that comes out of uh, of mills right
4: yes at the time when i applied i didn't know that much about mills uh legacy in the avant-garde uh, like contemporary american avant-garde music scene uh, i just thought i needed to go to get a master's degree somewhere and a uh, famous music you know as a chinese student that's all you think of it and then uh, i met this composer uh frederick zhevsky in Cincinnati Conservatory, uh, during a music festival, he recommended Mills. So I was like, "Oh!" and then I start checking out other schools, like Manhattan School of Music. And uh, and then I saw uh, the website of Mills Campus and saw, oh, California. Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. I want to go there and <laughs> check it out. Well, like, obviously they're good because otherwise this famous professor wouldn't recommend it. So I just applied. And they accepted me and uh so when I went there, uh, I realized, wow, uh, like it was associated with so many uh revolutionary composer in the contemporary like music history, basically John Cage. Uh, You're
2: familiar uh, with Cage I mean you just put I was it in, in
4: familiar the, with the name, okay. not so much of the work and not the, the influence. yeah or, I, I knew who I mean it's like his famous you know not playing anything for right. four, four minutes and 33 seconds but and and then I really started studying about Cage's work um, from when he was young and then the progression the the development. As a composer, from when he's young to to where he like re- revolutionized the concept, and then I started to have a deeper understanding of why he did it. And uh,
2: yeah, at this point, were you already was the seed already in you to think about combining somehow Chinese uh, traditional music in some way with? Yes, Western I, I, I actually
4: had started doing that even when I was in China. Uh-huh. Uh, Putting uh, uh, Chinese instruments with Western instruments together, uh, writing uh, writing music like that, um, but only for oh, well, there's some kind of um, curiosity of combining the the sound, the result, um, but not still kind of trying to find my voice. Mm. You know, I was only like you know 18 or right. not knowing what I was doing, just trying to pile up a bunch but new sounds together. But at Mills, uh, I started to have. More understanding, and I had a what the wake-up call to me to really change that—the moment that changed my life was uh, when I had the my first lesson with uh, Fred Frith. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, he. Fred Frith. Yeah, he was my main teacher at Mills for two years.
0: Wow.
4: Yeah, and uh, so I went to Fred's office, and he. Sorry,
0: sorry to interrupt. Maybe you can explain who Fred Frith is, because.
4: Fred a of- Frith is a. Uh,
2: Guitarist
4: he, primarily. He's yeah, a, a guitarist, and he also played bass in this uh, avant rock g- noise band called uh, Massacre and Naked City. That was in the nineteen seventies. Were active in the seventies and eighties with uh, Bill Frisell, John Zorn. Um, uh, who else? Uh, he collaborated a lot with uh, Mike Patton on uh, Faith No More. Mm-hmm uh and Mr uh, Bungle right? yeah Mr Bungle yes and um also Fred collaborated with uh, Bjork uh Brian you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so just uh, just like uh, you know Amalo pushing sort of uh, other musicians in their genres just uh, so Fred I hadn't still had no clue who he was, even when I was learning from him at the beginning. But he asked me the first lesson to uh he asked me to bring my recordings, my old compositions, so he wanted to take a listen. And after listening a bunch and he said, Faye, um, I hear a lot of amazing craft, but I don't hear Fay. And at that moment I just like I felt like a hammer, like a five ton hammer on my brain. <laughs> I was like, oh. holy on! what have been have I been doing in twenty two years in my life? And <laughs> not knowing why I do music. And uh, I thought I was like, you know, writing the, the next Chopin piece and all that, but now it's like, oh, I guess they're all nonsense. So I, I just had to go home and just kind of just like shut the door and think. Mm-hmm. For like ten days, and uh, so Fred just pushed me. Said uh, you just gotta cut it clean. You know you don't, you would never lose the craft, but you need to cut it Transcend out of it. yeah. You need <laughs> to start just just let it let it loose and let yourself out, and don't worry about anything. Just let it flow out of your heart and your brain, whatever. Don't control it. That's when I started to go kind of crazy and never have never stopped
5: (laughs) because it's too uh, much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Abby,
2: you encountered Chinese music when you were in China um, in the Mm -hmm. early nineties and then, and beyond. Uh, What was your initial impression of it?
1: Um, I, this is going to sound so strange, but I wasn't much of a musical thinker at the time. So, um, even though I liked it, I wasn't going there to, you know, to, to listen to music, mm. um, I, I had a really neat experience in the what is it called the Sanwei Shudian. Yeah, Sanwei Shudian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a bunch in of Zidane, ex- yeah. wonderful experiences there, and I ended up getting to play a show there,
2: which was like my dream come true. Legendary bookstore in in Western Beijing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> is it still there? It is. Wow. Or, it,
2: it was. Uh, it got shut down for a little while. It got shut
0: down.
1: I don't actually know if it's slow. I think
2: it reopened. Oh, I'm pretty sure it reopened. A place
0: where they they often have very interesting talks and music occasionally and tea.
1: Yeah. So I I started being really introduced to the the music there, and I would go. I was this was when I was a cons- consultant working at a consultancy as an intern. Appco. In oh, you Beijing. At APCO. Yeah. Oh, for six months, oh. and I and so on the weekends and a, a lot, I would end up at San Weishu Dian to. See music, And they'd have little puppet shows there sometimes and things. And um, and that's when I think I started really having a love affair with Chinese music. And the way that nature and... Uh, oh, so much space in the music. So much space compared to most of the things I've heard growing up in America. So that's where my love affair of Chinese music probably started. Also, when I was in Sichuan, I loved going down to the... Um, there was a Lauren... Uh Lauren uh um, old persons, sort retirees kind re, of Yeah,
0: Yeah.
1: But it was literally okay. for, it was literally Sichuan opera for Old like, folks, yeah, oh. yeah. Uh-huh.
2: The senior citizens' activity center, mm-hmm. it's like, Sichuan opera is specifically for old folks.
1: Specifically, Sichuan opera. It was oh. just a stage and a little area, and there were these little bamboo chairs, and everybody ate their sunflower seeds and peed in their pants and Aww. drank tea. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I, I did start to fall in love with Chinese music there, even though it sounded cray
2: balls. You know that <laughs> music <laughs> is just that, that crazy. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cray balls, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So let's, let's hear let's hear what what fruit that love affair bore. Uh, I think it's time to hear from you you two. Let's hear a musical number. Uh, introduce this the first song you're going to play for us, and 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 tell us you know tell us a little bit about the piece.
1: We'll start with an instrumental piece, so you can just hear our two instruments interacting.
2: Okay, we'll leave the the lovely voices for later. But, yeah. Okay.
1: And I'll I'll play it. Two tunes. One, both of them come from North Carolina. Uh huh.
3: Oh, the first yeah, one, North
1: yeah. The first one comes uh, is called Julian Johnson. But there, are, there are two very popular versions of Julian Johnson from North Carolina. One comes from the mountains, and one comes from the coast. This one is from the coast, and the next tune after that that I'm going to play is Backstep Cindy. And Faye is going to play some tunes from China at the very same time, and you'll get to see how it all works out. Yeah, so the, the, what,
2: what do we call this composition? I mean, it's just the this, is there a sort of a slash. We, so it's, it's cuz the, the Chinese tunes slash
4: Actually, the Chinese tunes I, I I'll play uh with Abby. Uh one the beginning one is from Guangdong.
2: Uh-huh. It's
4: called the fang zhi Mang busy weaving. And the next one is from Henan Province. It's called Xiao Kai Shou. Yeah. little okay. so open we, get hand. North
2: Carolina and Henan in one
1: song.
3: All right. <laughs> and <Yeah>. Guangdong. <laughs> <And guang-no>.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> a scary so,
0: combination.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we call it Cindy's little hand. Cindy's little hand, backstep Cindy and open little hand combined.
2: Let's hear it. Thank you so much. That was uh, that was amazing, Jeremy. You are really a lucky guy. I mean, you get to hear this all the time.
0: Not all the time, but quite a lot of the time. You know, Abby uh, Abby's busy, so uh, she's not always performing with Faye. But uh, they're working on a lot of stuff, so hopefully that, more frequently in the next few months.
1: But we we do have to thank Jeremy very much. Just this last week, he was taking care of both Felix and Vivi. The little ones, so that Faye and I could rehearse. Oh, good, good, good.
2: Yeah, good man. He's Jeremy. a good man. He's a good He's man. Good man. Oh, yeah. Hey, so they, they say. I, so I, guess I mean I have a, a sort of theory question. I mean, so how did it occur to you that Americana would work with pettonic based Chinese folk music? I mean, whose idea? How did how did this come into your heads? And how did this? collision occur. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I just
4: to, did not even think like that. No. I, it just think came think from like friendship first. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you love someone, you trust someone so much, something good will happen. And But
2: I mean, it sounds like they were written to be played on top of one another. Almost, I mean, it's, it's
4: also, I think from both Abby and I, our, um, uh, knowledge in our folk music that's definitely uh you know we've put the time and the study and the passion into it um but on, on top of that a lot of people musicians know the same knowledge and haven't come up with this kind of collaborations so i think it's um just our respect and and passion for free for each other um so It's kind of hard to explain. We we don't think about, oh, is it like this G pentatonic? Would that work on the, you know, bend the banjo? We're like, we never.
2: Really?
1: We never work like that. No. No. It would sound pretty bad, I think, if we have to force ourselves that way. Yeah, we just sit together and sing each other songs, you know? I mean, I remember Jeremy was telling me there was a time... You know, Jeremy, this is, it's so beautiful just to like sit there and hear Faye just sing old folk songs, you know, and it's magical. And that's how I, feel. I mean, that's why I was drawn into the music, was hearing people just sit around and sing each other beautiful old songs that made me cry. And uh, that's, I heard Doc Watson. That's what I heard. I heard a, a recording of Doc Watson at a party and I uh, when I was about 21 and I went out and I bought a banjo and I started playing it but I never suspected I'd do like this kind of stuff I thought I was still going to go to China and do something practical with my life
2: were you self taught on banjo or did you did you?
1: well kind of I've had some mentors though you know yeah. like a guy named Riley Boggess out of Walkertown North Carolina uh-huh. uh, was a big, had a big influence on how I play in particular um But no, just listening to music a lot and listening to people around me play music. I mean, in America, we have all these folk festivals all over the place. Mm. And you can go just live in the dirt for a weekend and just listen to music and play music with people all weekend. And it's magical. And the first time people asked me this a lot, they were like, how did you think to like put Chinese and American folk music together? And for me, it was very simple. I started playing the banjo after I started After I fell in love with China and Chinese culture. So when I started playing the banjo One of the first things I wanted to do was translate old folk songs into Chinese and sing them for the people when I went back to China So it was for love and fun and passion and I thought oh this is something culturally interesting and relevant That I I can share with my Chinese friends and people I meet over here It's Something beautiful about America I can share with people. So that's why I did it and Abby
0: can I ask? Um one of one of the you know, when Faye and I were first together she used to sing Chinese folk songs. Some of them I'd actually heard on the TV or, or radio in China. But usually I thought they were horrible because it was this like very overproduced. Yeah, the arrangements uh, style. were bad. And arrangements that. very bad. And they always seemed to be trying to imitate Western opera. So there you know, there was a, a very pretty folk song but suddenly it was like
3: whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah.
0: there was this kind of ridiculous yes. sort of kitschy um, way of doing it. And to realize that the, the songs themselves are just very good. There are these beautiful, beautiful folk songs. I mean, how did you sort of get drawn into that? that how did you see that. past mm-hmm. the the awful kind of Li of Chinese <laughs> music? Well, I
1: got to meet amazing people uh, playing music. Even the first time I came to Beijing to play music, uh, specifically to play music when I decided, okay, I'm not going to go to Beijing university. I'm going to stay in Nashville and make music. My friends called right away, like John Campbell and said, you've got to come over here and, um, and come back to, Ch- to Beijing and place play some bars. I'll set you set up some gigs for you, you know? And so I did. And I was like, I played Nashville Bar in oh, yeah. the Dunley Twin back in the day. <laughs> I Bay, know where that you know?
2: is. old Nashville, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on South Bar Street. Yeah.
3: It's still
0: yeah. going, actually, you know, north of Chiang Park.
1: Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's yeah. on yeah. New England. Yeah. 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 And I and and because of that and doing a few other things, I had friends because I had been at APCO and uh, had built some fr- uh, really dear, dear friendships in Beijing. So I, I immediately had you know you know thirty people who would come see me play this weird music I had seemed to have adapted since the last time I lived in China and and it just worked it really worked and I have to say I got to really like develop my. Solo show and my artistry a lot in China. It was a huge piece of me becoming a musician here in the United States. I felt like I could take chances in China because there weren't like industry people watching me and nobody really cared what came out of my mouth. It was really powerful to be able to do those shows in China.
2: That's so, so, that's a great insight. I, I, I I've met people who feel that way too. They don't feel, uh, Constrained. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I can reinvent myself. I can try things. I can, I can do them. things. Uh, are
1: you are uh, such a person.
3: <laughs> that <you've met>
2: me? <laughs> I wasn't going to say <laughs> I,
1: also, You know, I also wanted to mention some of the really cool musicians I got to meet right away when I was first there. So there was a band that I loved when I was in China that I'd heard about even when I was back in Sichuan called Yehaiza, and oh, yeah, I went guys. to their shows and just loved it and was really drawn to the way they were combining like contemporary sounds and the Sibe Feng. Yeah, the right? Sibe Fung mm. with like what they love and it was basically folk folk music
0: from, from the north northwestern. Those dudes were from China, Lanzhou or something, right? Or Gansu and Shanxi, yeah. basically. Right?
3: They have yeah. the best
1: folk songs. Yeah. ever so good. In, in, in in my view, out of all the other... In Han, yeah. China. Folks, yeah, in and they were China. like a bar band. They would like play bars, and I would go see them. And And then the first time I got to jam with people in Beijing, it was like Mamuar and Hangai, and the oh, old wow. Hangai. Yeah, Hangai. And we yes. have jam circles. We go out to Mamuar's house, like way out in... What's it called? Now Songzhuang
2: it's not. or something? No, 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 no it's no, like but...
1: the last stop on the line that goes south.
2: Oh, wow. that's well,
1: Yizhuang, I- Fengtai.
2: Oh, uh, anyway, anyway, <laughs> well, I don't know. Let's just guess. <laughs> I
1: can't remember now. But, uh, yeah, so we'd go way out into the, you know, the way out suburbs and just jam in Mama War's little house and...
2: Playing the Mongolian stuff, right?
1: Yeah, Mongolian, and his was the Shibe stuff and right. the Kazakh Chinese, and um, and I... So I felt, I felt like there was a scene, but what I found out was that was, like, the only
2: scene. Right. <laughs> it was the one, the one scene. <laughs> the or...
1: great one scene. And as I traveled, like, at the little bar in Sichuan and Chengdu, oh, I, yeah, got I, I got to meet really wonderful place, musicians yeah. through them also, and... And and then on a more official level, all of the tours I've done in China that are official, and I play at university, I always ask to collaborate with somebody. So I've gotten to play with amazing musicians all over China because of touring all over China. Wow! Mm-hmm. But Faye is my favorite.
2: So let's hear something. <laughs> where, let's let's hear something with a little vocal action going on here because you guys blend so beautifully. What's the next song you're going to play for us?
4: The next one is called uh, "The Water Is Wide" and Usuli Boat Song. Uh, the one that I sing in this one is called the Wu Su Li Ge. It's actually a very famous folk song in China However, the version that I grew up or most Chinese grew up knowing is uh, the lyrics are added to the melody by this famous singer who made the song famous in the 1950s mm-hmm. and is about praising the
3: praising Mao yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, exactly uh, So and I, I did not know about that until I start digging up more because from the experience of uh, other songs that I, I just had to, you know, investigate more. And then I did find out it's um, actually Hezhe, the anthony group in Nor- up and near Usuli River. In uh,
2: in the northeastern part yeah, of
4: China. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Heilongjiang province, right?
4: Yes, yes. The Basically at the border between Russia and China. So two-thirds of Usuli people live on the Russian side and then the, the other side... The other uh, live on China's side. So this one, their song has become the most beloved and famous, popular folk song in China. So uh
1: so this is the Usuli boat song. And Abby's song is called The Water Is Wide. And any of you who are <clears throat> well, a lot of you probably know this song. It's of Scotch Irish origin. Mm-hmm. It's old, old, old. And I took one verse from it that seemed to fit um what Faye and I were singing about. We're new, we're new mothers. We're learning how to do this, and we have a deep love affair with our children. And so this is why I chose the verse that I did.
2: And they're, they're both sort of, you know, riparian songs, right? They're both about water.
0: Although, and, although I mean, something, as somebody's, you know, listened to y'all, sing, y'all sing, 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 sing this together a number of times, what I always find interesting is that the Husuli boat song uh is about the joy of being on the river and the length of the river and how you can go places on the river and catch fish and stuff, whereas The Water is Wide is about how the river is an obstacle to you getting to the other side and, you know, meeting your love or doing something. So yeah. It's kind of like a, a, a clash of attitudes towards the water.
1: It's true when one ah. is about they they live their life their whole life comes yeah, from yeah, the water yeah and and water is, is, is their joy land. and their mm. happiness mm. Mm. where life's
4: yeah comes so let's so, hear it yeah
2: this is a, this is a, one of your your famous ones this is this one was a huge hit at aas i remember <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really big with lots of asian scholars <laughs>
2: okay the, the water is wide and the boat song ah!
5: Oh
3: ¡Ven ah. ah.
2: Ending. Oh, I love that song. I it's could, a I could song. listen to that again and again and again. It's
0: I am biased, but it's a lovely song.
2: No, that is, it is. It's just, it's beautiful. I'm glad we finally captured it here on tape. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know, we 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 have a little bit of time left, and I think there's nothing I would rather do than hear more music from you guys. Um, you know, and then and we can chat a little bit more on the, on the other side. But oh, how about at least one more song? Okay, what are we gonna do?
3: I- Oh hey. oh hey, yeah, we really need
2: to do oh, the one hey. that
1: we're going to collaborate with you guys on. Are you guys ready to collaborate with us? Yeah, what do we have to do? <laughs> you have to. Um, well, since you you're so metal, Kaiser, tone,
0: tone deaf. Your <laughs> since own. you're tone deaf
1: and you're metal, I think mean, just shout <laughs> what you need to do here. Just so just shout
2: it like, oh hey. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. You
1: are rocking this yeah. song about All chickens. Right. I'm gonna <laughs> rock a song about chickens. Chickens bang
2: their heads. Sort of. yeah, yeah.
4: Some yeah. dark, heavy chickens.
2: Yeah, <laughs> okay. some chicken metal coming your way with bluegrass and Chinese folk mixed. So tell us about this song. This is, I mean, this is a tune I, I recognize. It was an old Kami song, right?
4: Yes, and that's so also how I was uh, raised, chickens, uh, knowing what? the song. Uh, and of course, because Abby, since Abby and I started our uh, pretty seriously about our dual project and we do want to make sure of all the origins of of each song we want to take as we want to go on if we want to record it all these issues need to be accurately documented and and accurate so um (laughs) so i start doing research on this one and i found out of course again someone from the party probably took um took the melody and added to their lyrics to praise the communist big
0: production. So, what were the original lyrics? Well, the, the lyrics the, the, that well, you learned,
3: I mean.
4: Uh, uh, da sheng chan. Da hey.
2: Or. Like, great production. Ho, yeah. Hey ho, or whatever.
4: Yeah, yeah, just all about Da sheng Chan. Well, there's several uh, verses, but they're all about how great and how much we can produce in the. Socialist communist oh. <laughs> under the communist party's leading leadership. So, uh, that's just how everyone knows about, about this song in China. And, uh, I actually found out it's about, uh, it's a f- f- farmer's song, chicken farmer's song about a farmer hearing the chicken rooster sound and getting up in the morning to go to his millstone and <laughs> work on the mill in his mill. So that's, that's And gr- grind,
1: that's grind kind of corn and yeah. grind wheat. And yeah, the, so when you hear the sound, yeah.
4: that's the sound of imitating the, the gr- millstone, the millstone sound. And I lo- I it sounds lo-
2: like chickens to me. <laughs> right,
1: well, I'm sure it's something also it's it's like, that too. But uh, yeah. Faye and I decided we really wanted to take back the song for the chickens. Right. It's sort the, sort the chicken, chicken song. song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. The chicken's right. And, and, and what's the American side of, of the chicken song? Well, one of the first songs you will learn often uh, when you're learning old-time Appalachian music on banjo or fiddle is a, a, a song called Cluck Old Hen. And it, it fits very well. Yeah.
2: Let's hear how well it fits. And uh, Jeremy, here we go. <clears throat> Clear your throat. We're gonna sing.
5: Ji jiao san ya ma ho hey ho hey, jiao
1: er san ya ma ho hey ho hey. Yi lan lai, tui jiao mian, xi li li li, sa la la la, suo lo lo lo, tai tui jiao mian ya ma ho hey. Oh, hey, oh, hey, <laughs> oh, hey, hey, oh,
3: hey,
1: <laughs> <laughs> 月来来, 推上苗, 嘻里里里, 撒拉拉, ソロロロ带, 推上苗, ho, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, la,
2: Okay, I can safely say we ruined that one.
3: <laughs> yeah, oh,
2: Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I right, apologize. That easily. was quite
0: a nice song until well, at least
2: I started singing. Maybe we can edit ours out. I mean, because it's actually additional beats, right? I mean, we could take them out. You, you, you can can you auto tunes? Auto tunes my part of it. No. <laughs> it's not like T Pain.
3: Oh, the
0: perfect
4: counterpoint. <laughs>
2: Uh, uh so yeah our, our profoundest apologies to ruining an otherwise wonderful song and 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 having to to uh <laughs> do that sorry guys um can we do one more can we hear hear one more song
1: yes well we're going to play a good old bluegrass number here okay. this is um one that was written by Lily Mae Ledford and she traveled the world with her Coon Creek girls and uh they were based in East Kentucky and so they wrote a song about traveling all over the world playing music in the 1930s. They even, I even read somewhere that they took their Renfro Valley barn dance all the way to Shanghai in the 1930s. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Wow. I wish I could see that. Wow. Yeah. So we wrote um, most, all of these lyrics are, are their original lyrics. and uh, We added
4: a Chinese um, lyrics at, at the last verse, uh, just singing, yeah, like how we in the now nowadays want how how we want to what we want to say yeah it's a 天安, 天安, 还叫, yeah. yeah like every corner of the planet we want to take our music and then we take our instrument and we sing 天安, 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 like travel the whole world with our music with
2: our so it's literally 天呀, so it's like the banks of heavens and uh, 海角 the, corner the corners of the, of the, oceans, of the seas the oceans, right? yes. To the furthest corners of the seas And to mm-hmm. the, the furthest reaches of the heavens
1: While
4: I play my instrument play and, and, I, and while sing I sing, sing uh, 天涯海角走一遍
2: uh, Awesome yeah. Alright, let's hear that
1: Oh, but we do lovingly call this song We've changed the title from Banjo Pickin' Girl the, To Banjo Gujung Pickin' Girls
2: Alright, oh, Banjo Guggen Pickin' Girls <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> Off we go.
0: to know what's the new thing because we're here in new york tomorrow night uh it'll be passed by the time this podcast is is published but you, you have a concert with some new material uh and you're working on a bunch of new stuff can you tell us about it
1: so Faye and i've been working on this hybrid of of american and chinese folk music for many years now but we're finally intensively diving in and this winter we have dates set up in February to just after the moon yeah, new year to, to get power started. this record. Make a record. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a duo record. that's going to be banjo, gujang, and two vocals only the whole way through. Oh, yeah. wow.
2: Cool. Yeah. When do we expect to be able to hear this?
1: 2018, I think. Like a, a spring?
2: Well, when do I expect to be able to hear this? Well,
1: Kaiser, <laughs> you can hear it the whole way through. You yeah. can just come down to Nashville.
2: I am going to do that. I'm going to do that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Long-time listeners of the show or you know, In recent weeks I don't, You may have noticed That we have snuck a little bit of music Into uh, little parts of the show Like when we do this I want to remind our listeners That the Seneca Podcast Is powered by SubChina Check out the app And subscribe to the newsletter At subchina.com You can follow SubChina On Twitter At, at SubChina News And on Facebook At facebook.com Slash SubChina News It's a feast of business Political and cultural news About a nation That is reshaping the world Guess who contributed that Guzheng music you he heard in the background? It was, of course, none other than Wu Fei. Thank you, Wu Fei, for for giving us, you know, free music. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna pay later. You yeah. no. <laughs> should see the
5: things Jeremy has to do at home. I'm, yeah, I'm,
1: it's I not what, free, guys.
3: <laughs> Nothing is free. <laughs>
2: Hey, so uh, as you guys know, we do this little thing at the end of the show where we do recommendations. Um, and so it, it's usually our habit to have Jeremy kick it off. But let's have Ufe start us off. Give us something you've been listening to. What have you been listening to recently that, that, that you think we ought we to check out?
4: I've uh, been listening a lot of this composer named Gabriel Prokofiev. Like
2: Prokofiev. Like yeah, he's the grandson Sergei of – Prokofiev. Yeah,
4: he's his, his grandson.
2: Oh, holy shit. Uh, yeah,
4: he's, uh, he wrote the first turntable uh, concerto. With, turntable uh, concerto. Yeah, with I think the BBC Philharmonic. Like... Just, whoosh, 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 whoosh. Yes. Yeah, like and
3: scratching. And he
4: also, he's a, a brilliant composer. Um, he's been writing a lot of uh, string quartets, but in a really weird, funky, just a lot of attitude. Oh, wow. On a string quartet, so you have got to check out. Oh, wow. Out yeah. So what's his name? Uh, Gabriel, Gabriel
2: Prokofiev. Prokofiev. Oh. Wow, I love Prokofiev. I mean, oh. the grandpa—he's just the he's... grandson is not too
4: shabby at
2: all. Oh, all right, yeah. it's no Peter and the Wolf though, huh?
4: No, but it's just that's definitely the modern attitude. Oh, that cool, family's cool, got cool. some attitude, some swag. Huh? Say. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 definitely, <laughs>
2: definitely, cool, great yeah. recommendation. I'll definitely mm-hmm. check that out. I've never, I didn't, wouldn't have thought to encounter such a thing. Abby, why don't you go next? What you got?
1: I just had some friends stop by for lunch who are from Scotland. Uh, they're from the Highlands and their name as a band is Lau, L-A-U. And they are incredible. And they write, they're, they're composers, all of them. And they play um, acoustic guitar, a fiddle, and um, accordion. Uh-huh. But they have pedals set up with the accordion in particular to get all kinds of pitches and different sounds and all different ranges. And um they've just composed such beautiful music. They have a seventeen minute piece on their new record. And then some of them are more simple folk songs. And Chris Drever, who's the lead singer, sings for the band and it's just phenomenal music. Oh, sounds great. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I should I should say my husband Bela just wrote a concerto for our son.
2: We had almost gotten through this whole podcast without mentioning the fact that you That's very married.
1: refreshing, yeah. Yeah, but I, I do love him, and I think he's amazing. So Bela Flack, and he wrote a beautiful concerto that's going to come out soon called the Juno Concerto after our son's name.
2: Oh, wow. Cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool, cool. Excellent. Jeremy... Europe.
0: I will nepotistically recommend The Wolf Horse, which is another band that Abby and Faye are in, but uh, with a, another friend of theirs, Kai Welch, which is a, a, a very different take on music from what we heard in this podcast. But aside from the outrageous nepotism, <laughs> since this is a musical <laughs> podcast, I would like to recommend the the musician who's been my favorite Musician since I was a teenager, Franke, Franco, uh, the uh, Congolese musician, Franco and the OK Jazz Band, uh, which, if you like, just very, very long songs played on the guitar, very repetitive, but just gorgeous. Um, Franco and w- when, Jazz. When was he active? This was in the 70s? Uh, late 50s to 70s. Oh. Yeah, I mean, Congolese. I think he
2: died in either the late, in the maybe early 80s. Wow, cool. That's the kind of thing that Marco Werman would recommend from, you know, PRI's The World. Yes, I'm, cool. yeah, I'm
0: sure he's very familiar. Yeah, I I just cheated and looked on the internet. He died
2: in 1989. Oh, wow, well, yeah. okay. I'm going to recommend music too. Um, and it's something that's actually related to Faye. I'm going to tell a quick story here. The first time that I think we hung out, and Jeremy came up, um, I was, I had music on in the background. And, It was a fairly obscure band from Oakland, California that had some connections to, you know, a band I played with in college. Uh,
4: And we were all living in Beijing. We were all
2: living in (laughs) Beijing. We were all living in Beijing. And I'm, you know, sitting in my apartment. And... Suddenly, Faye turns to me He goes, is this Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum? This is Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, right? And I went, how the, how the hell do you know Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum? Uh, and so the whole story came out that you were friends with, like, Carla and with Nils and with Dan and all and Mo And, and all. Yeah, Oh, my God. It was just crazy because, you know, these are guys that I knew in college. Uh, and you know wow i mean there so i'm recommending the music of sleepy time gorilla museum uh, which is actually available on spotify you can you can you can hear it um particularly the band um grand openings and closings I, I, the, the album grand openings and closings the other the other ones are great too uh of natural history is is another one that i i love. Um, check out songs like sleep is wrong is great and the donkey headed adversary of humanity opens the discussion which is just the most badass piece of music ever there's a they're they're just um the, the, there's there's some Zappa in them and some Mr. Bungle kind of stuff in there. It's it's uh, tremendously creative music. I mean, just uh, very very like, innovative. Yeah, yes. there's a, a violinist named Carla who, who yeah. also does. Carla kills that. Yes. Yeah, just she's amazing. Amazing
4: violinist, amazing vocalist.
2: Yeah, she's yeah. great, and she has another band that does like sort of Balkan style music called Charming Hostess, and check yeah. them out. And too. Tin Hat Trio, Tin, Tin Hat, or oh, oh, Tin Hat, is, yeah, I know
4: that one. Yeah.
2: Wow. it's very good. Yeah, all right. A very musical. Uh, thanks uh, yeah, so I much. Yeah, we can keep almost, it
4: going for the rest of the night. Good. We yeah. <laughs> well,
2: let's, I say instead we go get some Sichuan food. Yes. Oh
1: yes, please.
5: All right. Oh uh, Yao, <laughs> <laughs> yao Uh
2: Hey. So um, thanks everybody. The Seneca podcast is powered by Sup China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Jeremy Goldcorn. Special thanks this week to the guy who's Airbnb we're in. Whoever that is, what's his name? James. James. Hey, James. Thanks. Uh, special thanks also to An Chang, uh, To Sarai Darabi from SubChina Drop us an email at Seneca at subchina.com Visit our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Podcast And follow us on Twitter At Seneca Podcast Thanks for listening And we will see you all next week Everyone, bye <laughs> Bye, bye. bye. Oh, We no, should do it in harmony silence.
3: Let's do it in
5: harmony Bye, bye. <laughs> I can't, <I'm>
1: so <laughs> that does... Jeremy should start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you uh, start. Yeah, I'll stop. Bye.
2: bye, bye, bye,
3: bye.
2: It's the seventh chord. Bye. 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 <laughs>